0: You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on Apple Podcasts. We hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate you as always leading us in worship this morning and then bringing us uh, special uh, music as well. So thank you, Ray. This morning before we get started, I want to say two things, well, three things. First one is Happy New Year. Hope that you had a great New Year holiday and that your New Year's off to a good start and then the other two things that I want to say is Bobby mentioned that they had 45 middle school and high school students here for their lock-in and I don't know if you have spent a lot of time with middle school and high school students but that's a lot of middle school and high school students and so kudos to our student ministry for creating an environment and a culture where our students want to invite their student their friends to come and participate in activities, in church activities. And, you know, they were here from 9, nine o'clock at night on a Friday night where they could have done uh, who knows what with who knows who. And they chose to be here, and they had a great time. And and it's a, really a testament to the work that our student ministry team is doing to create an environment and a culture where friends want to inv- where students want to invite their friends. And honestly, we could take a lesson from that as adults to we could take a lesson from them. You know, students are like 75% more likely to invite someone to church than an adult is. 75% more likely. So kudos to our students and our student ministry team on a successful lock-in and a great first uh, event of the year. The second thing that I want to mention that Bobby mentioned this uh, morning is that in the spring, this spring, uh, we are pleased to announce that we are starting an Upward Soccer League. Uh, this is the brochure. There are brochures out on the information desk that you can get. This is a, a fantastic outreach opportunity for us to reach into the community. And the reason we're playing soccer is because soccer is, a, is a, it's a sport you can play in the spring and the fall. And it's the fastest growing sport in America. Soccer is. I don't know if you knew that or not. And it's one of the fastest growing sports in Hardin County. More kids are playing soccer than they are baseball, believe it or not. And so we're, we're excited about this. And here's the great thing about Upward. It's a Christ-centered program. It, it promotes Christ and Christian values above everything else. And so within about a 40-mile radius of Glendale, there's not another Upward soccer league going on at the same time as ours. And so we think this is a wonderful opportunity to get people involved in a, in a program and at the same time introduce them to the love and, and grace that we have found as Christians. And so, we need your help. Okay? We need your help. There are going to be lots of opportunities to help. In January, the games aren't going to start until March, but in January, we'll, at the end of January, we'll be having some evaluations. And so, we need people to come in and just run those little sessions. You don't have to know anything about soccer, okay? I can tell you this. I know absolutely nothing about soccer other than you can't use your hands. That's, that's about it. But... You don't have to know anything about soccer to be able to do this. We'll, we'll give you all the information, all the training you need. But we're going to need people to, to run those clinics. We're going to need people to uh, register students, uh, register kids to play. We're going to need people to coach. We would love to have all of our head coaches be out of our church. Um, whether you have a kid playing or not, it's just a great opportunity to share the love of Christ with some kids and their families. We're going to need assistant coaches. So there's plenty of opportunities for you to get involved in serving this and a great opportunity for us as a church to reach out into our community and affect some lives for the positive. And so I hope that you'll consider being a part of that. If you want to volunteer, let Bobby or myself know. If you have a kid that you want to sign up, you can sign up online. You can register online or you can take one of these information brochures and fill it out and turn it in at one of the evaluations and we'll get all that squared away. Now all the announcements are over with that I want to make. Let's get to the message. We're so glad that you're here this morning. And today we're continuing in our series, All Things New. We started this series last week and we key in on two specific things that Jesus said. Jesus, the first thing was this. Jesus said, I am making all things new. That's a promise to us. I am making all things new. That's a promise to us. And the second thing was this, that the kingdom of God means that there's a great restoration that's coming. There will come a moment when, Jesus, when J- the kingdom of God comes. Jesus says that moment is at the renewal of all things. The renewal, not the, not the destruction. We tend to think that the end, of the end of the world, the end of the earth, as we know it, will lead to a great destruction. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am making all things new. At the renewal of things is when the kingdom of God comes. And so it's, it's, it's going to be a day of great restoration. Not annihilation, but restoration. And that's a promise for us. And as we saw last week, the thing that is our greatest hope for the future is this promise that Jesus is making all things new. We can, we can face the uncertain future because we know we can count on this promise that Jesus says that I am making all things new. And so this morning, as we get into the message, I want us to face a very difficult truth that we need to come to grips with. Uh, We we need to deal with a very difficult truth. We need to come to grips with it. We need to come to terms with it. But in light of this promise, I think that Jesus makes that that I am making all things new, that He's going to make all things new, that this truth may not be as difficult to, to wrestle with as we previously thought. Here's the truth. The truth is this life is a series of goodbyes that's a difficult truth that we need to deal with life is a series of goodbyes if you stop and think about it you've said a lot of goodbyes in your lifetime most everybody at some point or another will say goodbye to their childhood home you'll, you'll grow up you'll move out you'll create your own home but you have to say goodbye to that home that was was the start of your childhood During childhood, you no doubt had to say goodbye to a friend. Maybe you moved away and you had to leave some friends behind. Or maybe your friends moved away and they left you behind. But you had to say goodbye to a friend. No doubt if you've ever had a pet, you've had to say goodbye to a pet. And man, that's difficult, having to say goodbye to your pets. Especially, you know, watching your kids have to say goodbye to, to their loved pets. As a parent... You'll have to say goodbye. You'll, you'll say goodbye to your children as they leave home for college, as, as they leave for work or, or just to start their adult life. And that's not a bad thing. You've heard me say this before. We, we ought to be raising our kids to leave. That's the goal is we raise them up so that they leave, so that they go out into the world and that they're the productive member of society that we want them to be, that they have all the Christian values and principles that we've instilled in them and that they create a, a positive difference in the world. That's the goal is that they leave. Saying goodbye isn't a, isn't a bad thing. It's just a tough thing at times. It's just difficult at times. Goodbye signals the, the loss of something, the, the end of something. It, it signals the end of a childhood or the loss of a pet, the, the end of friendships. And as much as we want to fight it, as much as we want to fight it, we know that more goodbyes are coming. This is why hope is so very precious. It's, it's our lifeline, it's the anchor to our souls. It, It's why it's so important to know where our hope is and to help it land in all the right places. When I was younger, I I thought it was a little odd that God needed to command us to love Him. It's it's the first and greatest commandment. Love God, right? Jesus, when asked what the two greatest commandments were, He says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I thought it was odd that, that God would have to remind us and command us to love Him. But it makes a little more sense to me now as I'm older. Because when God calls us to love Him as our first love, it's not only because He deserves to hold that place in our hearts, but it, but it also because He knows that when we, we get those things out of order, it will cause all kinds of heartbreak. When, when we give part of our soul that is meant for God to lesser things, they will break our heart because they cannot possibly come through for us in the way that God does. Many of you have discovered the, the joy and the freedom of, of loving God, and the joy and freedom that loving God brings to the rest of your life. And keeping God as your first love uh, helps us to not be destroyed when other things fail us, when other people don't love us as well. We're able to weather the criticism and the loneliness, the rejection, and all those things that come because God is in His rightful spot. and here's the here's another great thing about this having God in the right place is that our other loves and it's okay to have other loves I have lots of other loves but all of our other loves they're able to find their whole and wholesome expression and we're able to flourish because God is in the right place anchored in true love our hearts are able to fully love because we have as the old saying goes first things first and hope hope functions the same way when, when our hopes are in their proper place, attached to, to the right things, not only do we flourish better as humans, but we're rescued from a thousand different heartbreaks. But not all hopes are created equal. We should understand that. Not all hopes are created equal. In fact, I think there are three different types of hopes. Here they are. There are casual hopes, there are precious hopes, and there are ultimate hopes. <clears throat> casual hopes are the, the hopes of the daily variety. You know, I, I hope it doesn't rain this weekend. I, I hope that... Um, have a good day, all of those kind of things. And there's nothing wrong with having that kind of hope. It's, it's human nature to have it. In fact, I think it's very healthy for us to use the words often, I hope. I think that's, that's good for us. I think hope shows that our heart is still alive, that it's still longing for something, it's still yearning for something. But those casual hopes, they're nothing compared to our, our precious hopes. Our precious hopes are things like this: I, like I hope this pregnancy goes well, or I hope this scan shows turns out to show nothing. I hope God hears my prayers for Sally. Precious hopes are are far deeper to our hearts, and they often fuel our most sincere prayers. Deeper lies, deeper, deeper still lie our ultimate hopes, our our life and death hopes. And I would suggest that only the thing, the only things that belong in this category are the things that will destroy your heart and your soul if they're not fulfilled. Things like, I hope God can forgive me. I hope that all of my past mistakes can be redeemed. I, I, I hope I will see you again someday. But you'll notice, and, and maybe even with you, people let their, their hopes go wandering. They've made casual hopes into precious hopes, and they've turned genuinely precious hopes into ultimate hopes. And when a casual hope is deferred, it, it, it creates disappointment. We're disappointed, but, but really no more than that. You know, we might be downcast for a moment or two, a day or two even. But when a, and when a precious hope is dashed, it, it can really break your heart. Depending on how the, the severity of the loss, you may not recover from it for, for five days or five years. It, 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 can, it can really hurt us. In fact, Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It really does, doesn't it? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when an ultimate hope... When an ultimate hope goes unanswered, the result is devastation from which we don't recover. Maybe another barometer would be that, would look like this. When our casual hopes are suddenly in question, they elicit anxiety. We're, we're anxious about it. Precious hopes, uh, when they are unfulfilled, they can usher in fear and anxiety. And ultimate hopes, when, they are, when they're in question, they suddenly seem to, to shake the soul to its core. Here's my point in saying all of that is that the renewal of all things is meant to be your first hope like God, in the same way that God is your first love. The renewal of all things is meant to be your first hope, your greatest hope, far greater than anything else, in the same way that God is supposed to be our first love. And if it isn't the answer to your wildest dreams, if the renewal of all things isn't the answer to your wildest dreams, if you're not ready to, at this very moment, to sell the field, and you know, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a field like a field where a farmer finds buried treasure, and so he goes and he sells everything he has to buy the field. Not because he wants the field, but because he wants what's buried in the field. If, you, if you're not ready to, to sell everything and buy the field at this moment, then can I suggest that that maybe we've placed our hope somewhere else? And sadly, most everybody has. This is not uncommon. Most everybody at some point places their hope somewhere else. And until we do this, until we we get our hopes aligned in the right order, in the right places, that the renewal of all things is, is our greatest hope, until we understand that the renewal of all things, well, it'll be a curiosity. But it won't be the rescue that our hearts so desperately need. Remember that the kingdom of God means that there's a great restoration coming and that God has created you and me with a heart for the kingdom of God. I said this last week and I, and I still believe it's true that, that knowing that we have hearts for the kingdom of God may be the greatest thing that you can know about yourself. You were created with a heart for the kingdom of God, for a, for a heart with a hope for the renewal of all things, that God would be making all things new. And so let me ask you this morning, what is your heart looking for? Is it looking for the kingdom of God? Is it hoping for the kingdom of God? And if it's not, if it's not, what's standing in the way uh, of your heart hoping for the kingdom of God? What, what is it that, that you're hanging on to? Because here's the reality, is that whatever you're hanging on to, you'll eventually have to say goodbye to. Whatever it is that you're holding on to, you'll eventually have to say goodbye to it. It it will eventually fade away. Maybe it's your your physical condition, your athletic condition. Surely you realize that won't go on forever, right? Eventually your body will deteriorate with age and and your performance will diminish. You'll have to say goodbye to it at some point. Maybe it's your mind. Maybe you you understand that it'll dim with with age. And even if you manage to avoid... uh, things like dementia and Alzheimer's and those kind of things, you'll still forget a great many things. And your mental capacity, it'll eventually fade. Maybe it's the people in your life. Eventually you will lose them or they you. The psalmist writes in Psalm 39.5, he says, You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We need to understand that we will say goodbye to, to everyone you love and, and everything that we hold dear. We will say goodbye to it. And I'm not trying to be a fatalist or, or a pessimist. I'm just being realistic that we need to understand that if we're ever going to embrace this hope that God is extending to us, we need to be honest about the nature of this life. If we're ever going to have a hope for eternal life, for, for an eternal kingdom of God, then we need to, we need to be very clear about what, what what we face in this life, the brevity of of this life Paul says it this way in First Corinthians he says and if our hope is in, Christ, in Christ is only for this life only for this life we're to be more pitied than anybody in the world you get what Paul's saying there he says until we understand the brevity of this life and that there's something greater in the next life that we have a hope that is coming where Jesus is going to make all things new and when, when we understand that then all the things that we face in this life, we can face. When I was born, I I was blessed to be born with four grandparents living and six great-grandparents living, along with just numerous aunts, great-aunts and uncles. In fact, I tried to count them up the other day, and I think I came up with about 16 great-aunts and uncles that were very close to, to our family. And while that was certainly a great blessing to have all of that kind of influence around in my life it also meant that i was going to have to learn to say goodbye early and often in life i was going to attend a lot of funerals when when my grandfather died just a couple of weeks ago he was the last one of those that i needed to say goodbye to all of my grandparents have now passed in all of my except for one great aunt have passed away i had to say, i've had to learn to say goodbye a lot and, and in fact I, I learned at an early age to say goodbye i had a sister that died when i was three and, and so we said goodbye in life early. And I can remember with great clarity the fir- really the first close friend that I had to die. Many of you probably can remember that experience for you as well. I'll tell you, my, my cousin Jason had just turned 16, and he was just a few months older than I was. We were both sophomores in high school. And while, on, while we were on spring break, he was in a, a lake accident, and he drowned. And it was one of the most painful experiences of my life, Death is such a violent assault on God's design for our lives, and so we experience death as as trauma. And then just two years later, uh, just about a week after I graduated high school, my my best friend Stephen drowned. Stephen had been working for for my dad on our farm for about two years, and we grew up going to school together and playing on softball teams and, and that kind of stuff together, but we never really ran in the same circles until he started working for us. And when he started working for us, we, we became just the best of friends. We did everything together. We worked together. Um, I grew up on a dairy farm, and so we, we milked cows at three in the morning and three in the afternoon, and, and we did all of the milking. And so we worked together, and then we hung out when all the work was done. And I spent more time with, with him than I did anyone else. And on that particular Saturday afternoon, we had, we had plans to go hang out that evening, and he had taken the day off from the farm, and he went fishing on a boat with, with another friend of ours at a local lake there in Willisburg. And when the day when we were done with the work, I was going to go meet up with those guys. And we were going to go somewhere that night. And my dad and I, we were mowing tobacco plants when I heard his emergency response pager go off. And they said that the dispatcher said there had been a drowning at the lake. And instantly my heart sank because I knew that it was Stephen. Just one of those overwhelming feelings You just knew who it was. And it was devastating. And it was an all-too-familiar reality and a reminder that life is a series of losses. And life is a series of saying goodbyes. And in those moments, people want to say things that are comforting. And, and I really believe that most people are, are well-intentioned. They, they, they mean really well when they say things. But sometimes there just isn't anything to be said. Sometimes, really always, there is just only Jesus. There is only Jesus. And what you believe about the kingdom changes everything. What I believe about Jesus and His promise to make all things new, to restore all things, changes everything. It changes the way that I view death. It changes the way that I say goodbye. It changes the way that I live going forward. It changes everything. There is only Jesus and the kingdom of God. Solomon would write in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, he would say this, Death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. The writer of Hebrews would would echo that same sentiment. He would say, It's appointed unto man wants to die. What he's saying is, we're all gonna die. You can't escape death. This is all part of our reality. You cannot escape this. So we should take notice of it. We should take it to heart, but we should prepare ourselves because there's coming a day when Jesus is gonna make all things new. There is only the kingdom. Everything else will slip through our fingers, no matter how hard we, we, we try to grasp it, no matter ho- how hard we hold on to it, and yet we continue to fight this hope uh, uh, of restoration. Why? Why do we hold it off at arm's length? Why do we hold on to everything so tight and push off this hope that we have that Jesus is going to restore all things? Listen to me on this. If you, if you don't hear anything else, listen to this. You cannot protect your hope until you face the inevitable. We are grasping at every possible means to avoid the inevitable. inevitable. And we give our, our hopes away to all sorts of kingdom counterfeits and kingdom substitutes, hoping that they will somehow fulfill us, that somehow they will, they will fill that hole in our, in our heart and in our, in our soul that, that only the kingdom of God can fill. I'm telling you, they don't satisfy. They can't. And they won't ever. But when you raise the white flag, when you finally accept the truth, That we will lose everything, one way or another. Then the promise of restoration, the promise that everything will be made new, is great news beyond our wildest dreams. John Eldridge is a Christian writer, and he he talks about this very idea and explains it through the lens of his last child graduating and leaving home. Luke, he writes, was his youngest son, and he's graduating, getting ready to leave uh, for college. And John says it just felt like a loss. It just felt like this overwhelming loss, the end of something. You know, of course he's thrilled for his son. He's, he's happy that he's uh, for, and proud of all of his accomplishments and that he's getting ready to start life on his own. But he said it just felt like a loss to him. And it was. It, it was the end of the childhood era in his family. They had no more kids at home. this They were losing that childhood era in their family. And so as he sat watching his son's graduation ceremony just about to, Um, completely unglued he said in that moment it was as if jesus revealed something to him it was as if jesus said these words to him this is what he writes that he's hearing jesus speak to him says when the kingdom comes my dear heartbroken friend nothing that was precious to you in this life will be lost no memory no event none of your story or theirs nothing is lost how could it be lost it's held Safe in the heart of an infinite God who encompasses all things held safe outside of time and in the treasuries of the kingdom which transcends yet honors all time this will all be given back to you at the restoration just as surely as your sons will come back to you nothing is lost did you catch that if you didn't let me say it again nothing is lost and that's the great hope for the kingdom of God For for all of the goodbyes that we will ever have to say or will have to say in the future, there's a day coming when those goodbyes will be turned into hellos. Saying goodbye now produces a hope for the hello that will come in the future. Nothing, nothing is lost. Jesus said, I am making all things new. And that's a promise that gives me great hope. That nothing is lost. That there will be a day where I will say hello instead of goodbye. What a great hope that is. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you. And we are thankful for the hope that we have in your son Jesus. Thankful for the hope that we have in the kingdom of God. That you are making all things new. That there will come a day when we will no longer say goodbye. Instead we'll say hello. Father, we long for that day. And Father we we long for the day where we get to say face to face to you and your son hello father would you give us would you just continue to instill in us that great hope that we have and father may we leave this place taking that hope with us to the rest of the world father you're a good god and we love you it's in christ's name that we pray amen